0: After a constantly changing Coke-fueled narrative, the White House has finally settled on a story as to why it could not track down the culpable nostrils. And the official story of the failure is that they did their best.
1: I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to. And they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence that that proves it. But of course, look, we take this seriously. That's not the kind of thing we want to see happen. Now, it did happen in a visitor's uh, lobby area out just just outside the main West Wing. Um, uh, so it was a tr- highly trafficked area. We're going to take a look at uh, uh, at how that happened. And obviously, we'll if there's things we can do to prevent that in, in the future, Certainly will do that. Nobody's happy about this.
0: Nobody's happy. Nobody is happy about this other than Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the senior White House staff and the whole Democrat Party and all the libs. But other than that, nobody's happy. They just couldn't track down the culprit. The federal government, which geo tracked every single Midwestern granny who came within 10 miles of the Capitol building on January 6th, the worst day in the history of the Republic. Those investigators were unable to figure out which of the dozen suspects brought the booger sugar into the most intensely surveilled building on earth. Now, of course, speaking of January 6th, much of the narrative surrounding January 6th was fiction as I learned when I flew out to Phoenix yesterday for the first ever sit-down interview with the Horn Hat guy, the so-called QAnon shaman, since he was released from prison. But that two-hour-plus interview is coming in a couple days. There is much to get to before then. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show, Andrew Tate. Who is Andrew Tate? I don't even really know who he is. Taken the world by storm as he awaits his fate on criminal charges, all sorts of weird sex charges in Romania. We will get to him and why everybody is kind of wrong about Andrew Tate. We will get to that in just a moment. First, though, I don't want to move on too fast from the booger sugar. <laughs> now, I've only covered it every day for like two weeks. I feel like there's a lot more to say about this. There is a lot more to say about about all of this, the way the federal government conducts investigations. A lot more to say about January 6th. I, I flew out. That might be why I look a little bit sleepier today. I flew out to Phoenix to interview uh, Jacob Chansley, the Q Anon shaman, the uh, horn hat guy. I had to fly out to him because he is not allowed to leave the state of Arizona. So usually for the Michael and long interview series, we fly people over here and it's nice and easy. But I thought, look, I've never seen a long form interview with this guy. He hasn't sat down with anyone since he got out of prison. He was in prison for something like 41 months. Uh, So we went out there. We're gonna get that out within the next couple of days. I promise you we will get it out faster than the Secret Service gets you the culprit for the booger sugar in the White House. There's a report now out of the White House that contradicts the U.S. Secret Service on this. So the Secret Service said that there were no fingerprints on the bag of Coke, which was obviously a lie. And at the very least, I'm sure there were nose prints, so they could have tried to match that. But there were obviously fingerprints too. And now reportedly officials at the White House know who brought the Coke into the White House and have confirmed that finding via fingerprint analysis. This, according to A report uh, came out just a few days ago, sofmag.com, according to a security source, told Soldier of Fortune, we know who handled it, we've known since last week. So somebody's lying, and probably a number of people are lying, and that's just the way it goes. That is just the way it goes around here. We know that the White House is deceitful. We know that the libs are deceitful, not exactly a dog bites, a man bites dog story, rather. This is very much a dog bites man kind of a story. Okay. Beyond the deceit, though, beyond the lies, beyond the obfuscation, there is something perhaps even more worrisome about this administration, which is its gross incompetence. It's one thing to be an evil genius villain that is deceiving everybody, it's another to just not have control over anything. And th- that's, that's m- perhaps more of what we're seeing out of the Biden administration. There's a report came out yesterday that the Biden administration has leaked millions of US military emails to an ally of Russia. And do you know how they did it? It's not because there's a pro-Russia guy embedded in the administration. It's not because of some super-duper spy hack that came out of the Kremlin. It's because that Russia ally is the nation of Mali, the African nation of Mali, and military email addresses end with the suffix mil and the nation of Mali's email addresses end with the suffix ml No I. And when people type in... Military email addresses—they sometimes forget to put the i, it's just a typo. And and there have been cybersecurity professionals who have warned the White House. In fairness to Biden, for some years now, something like ten years, and the government just doesn't do anything about it. So millions of American military emails—you can't even say they get leaked to a Russia ally. They're just directly sent to a Russia ally because we won't change our freaking email addresses. That is how incompetent the government is. So uh, the problem was identified by this guy, Johannes Zurbier, who is a Dutch internet entrepreneur. He has a contract to manage Mali's national domain,.ml. And he's been collecting these misdirected emails since January, and he's been trying to convince the U.S. government to take it seriously. He apparently holds about 117,000 misdirected messages. Just this one guy alone since January, uh, almost 1,000 arrived last Wednesday, just, just on last Wednesday. so he he writes this letter to the U.S. He says, the risk is real, could be exploited by adversaries of the U.S. Well, this guy's contract with the country of Mali is about to run out, and the Malian authorities are now going to have access to all of the misdirected U.S. military emails. This is one of the, the lesser discussed downsides of evil and vice in a decadent society, is that it makes you dumb and incompetent. Not just that it makes you bad and nasty and lustful and lazy and nasty and selfish and greedy and all these things, it also just makes you dumb and stupid and ineffective because you get really puffed up on yourself. You fall into the vice of pride because you get lazy. You fall into the, the vice of sloth and you just don't do anything. And then your, your own people send millions of emails to your nation's adversaries. It would be comforting, and, and I guess this is where so-called conspiracy theories come from. It would be comforting, in a way, if we had super-duper evil geniuses who were extremely competent and efficient running things, because at least somebody effective would be in charge. But, but unfortunately for us, we've got all the wickedness, all the vice, all of the decadence, all of the debauchery and corruption in our government, and we don't even get the competence they're not even all that clever. They're just lazy and prideful and greedy. When Joe Biden engages in corruption, it's not even some brilliant, amazing 27-degree chess corruption. It's his degenerate drug addict son just texting apparatchiks of the communist party in China and oligarchs in Ukraine saying, give me money. I'm with my dad. I'm giving 10% to the big guy. Give me that money now. And then Joe Biden shows up and he says, hey, if you don't give me that money, if you don't stop investigating my son and all that money you're giving him, I'm going to get your guy, I'm going I'm to withhold a billion dollars. I'm going to fire your prosecutor. Duh, give me the money. It's so plodding. It's so stupid. It's so pedestrian and prosaic. Not very healthy for our country. Now, when you want to preserve your health and you want good health care, you got to check out Samaritan Ministries. Right now, head on over to SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles. How are you paying for your health care? And how's it working out for you? If it's working perfectly, great. If not, then listen closely because I've got a solution for you. A biblical solution called Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians paying each other's medical bills. It's affordable health care sharing. And because it's not insurance, there are no restrictive networks. Here is how it works. When a medical need arises you choose the healthcare provider that's right for you and have a say in the treatment you receive. Send your medical bills to Samaritan Ministries and they will notify fellow members to pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. It could be more affordable than what you are paying now. And if it's the right fit, you can join anytime, even today. Check it out at SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S. That is SamaritanMinistries.org slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, today. Speaking of vice, Andrew Tate, briefly the most googled man in the world, has gone viral many times. He's a pickup artist type guy who the right sort of likes because he sometimes says things that are not politically correct and that irritate liberals and feminists and all of the people we like to irritate. But Uh, Some people on the right, myself included, have always been a little skeptical of the guy and pointed out that he's literally a pimp, and that's not great. That's not very conducive to virtue. So Andrew Tate sat down with Tucker Carlson to insist that he's not really a pimp. And my friend Liz Wheeler over there juxtaposed his interview with Tucker with other things that he has said openly on camera and makes it seem as though either Andrew Tate is suffering from a very serious bout of amnesia or he lied to Tucker. Are they accusing you of using violence or? No. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it and sh- it just doesn't work. It puts them off. I'd never do that. That's disgusting. I'm not a whore. Uh, it's just not gonna work. You continue as normal, no mention of webcam. You f- the girl. After you f- the girl, you do the PhD test. So yeah, on corporate I have my PhD program and that is a PhD is a pimp and hose degree that i
1: um, Clever, and that, clever. That, that,
0: that teaches basically how I got girls, how I met girls, how I got girls to like me, how I got girls to fall in love with
1: me to work on webcam for me.
0: So to Tucker, Andrew Tate says, look, man, I never seduced women and and manipulated them into working for me. I, that's what they're accusing me of. But that, isn't that so crazy? And then, as Liz points out, he's said many times publicly that this is exactly what he did. And he says it in in really gross ways. Now, the defense of Andrew Tate right now is that he didn't, rape any women, as as he is charged as having done, he, he did not human traffic women exactly, or if he did, he did it with their consent, that none of this was coercive. The best defense that Andrew Tate has right now, which he sometimes makes, though recently has been trying not to make, is that he didn't rape the girls, he just seduced them. And the irony of this argument is that more civilized place and age in Western history, considered seduction to be the more grievous offense. We don't do that now. Now people think that's absolutely crazy to suggest such a thing. But you see this in one of the great works of Western writing. This would be uh, the murder of Eratosthenes by Lyceus, good old ancient Greek, who points out that the Athenian laws considered seduction to be far worse, far more grievous than rape. This is not to downplay how serious and awful rape is. It's to point out that seduction is much worse than a lot of people today think that it is, because rape is a violation of the body. A very awful one, and we can treat that very seriously by the law. It's a very awful one. Seduction is a violation not only of the body— but of the soul and the intellect. So in that way, it pierces much deeper. And you hear the way that this guy describes what he does to these women. And it seems darker, crueler, more nefarious than some mere street thug brutalizing a woman's body. Because what he's saying is, oh yeah, I trick them. I trick them into liking me and to mistakenly believing that I love them. And so these women, they're probably a little bit damaged if they're going to fall for these tricks. They, they just want to please me. And then what I do is I use their love for me as a way to make money. So I don't really love them. I just lie. I'm, I'm a fraud. I deceive them. I think of Dante. Dante in the Divine Comedy, he puts fraudsters in pretty much the deepest circles of hell. And in fact, he has those who, who betray their benefactors in the very bottom pit of hell. Yeah, that's what I do. And why do I do that? Well, I do that so that I can get more green paper and buy more stuff. Very, very dark. Darker even than some thug who who lurks around back alleys waiting to brutalize a woman's body. So, the best defense that Andrew Tate has here, to me, is the greatest indictment of him. Now, does that mean that, that what's happening to Andrew Tate in, in Romania is fair game. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's pretty dodgy that the guy's in Romania running this big pimpin' business, right? So maybe it is. I don't know what the guy's up to. I have really no particular desire to defend him. The the, the defense, the semi-defense that I could see for Andrew Tate is that why aren't we going after the head of Pornhub? Why aren't we going after the head of MindGeek, which is the parent company that owns the biggest porn site on the internet? Why aren't we going after the head of OnlyFans? The best defense of Andrew Tate is that this guy is some low level street pimp and that, that the establishment and the law are going after this low level street pimp, like a guy who's peddling dime bags on, on Skid Row, when they're totally letting the cartel off the hook. Andrew Tate has made a lot of money and he's become popular and he's become controversial. But he's made no money compared to the big guys, compared to Pornhub, compared to OnlyFans, compared to the big corporate face of exploiting women and seducing them into this lifestyle that's depraved and damaging to them. So I guess my argument then isn't that we should not go after Andrew Tate. My argument is that we should go after all those big guys too and start imprisoning pornographers as we have done very recently. Don't forget, at the the end of the Bush administration, George W. Bush, not even H.W. Bush, the most recent Bush administration, we in the United States imprisoned a pornographer for obscenity. That's it. He didn't produce child pornography. He didn't produce any other kind of illegal pornography. It was just pornography, and pornography can be prosecuted as illegal in itself because we still have laws on the books against obscenity, even though we don't enforce them very often. And we know that this is terrible for men. Men are hooked on this stuff. It's it's a a more powerful and prevalent drug than any other drug in the country, pornography. And we know that this is really damaging to women. And now we've got this guy Andrew Tate on camera bragging about how he seduces and exploits these women and, and in many ways ruins their lives. So I guess we should go after all of them, shouldn't we? not just Andrew Tate, not just the two bit guys in Eastern Europe. How about we go after the big ones too? And how about we reread some of those great works that formed the Western mind and remember that life isn't just about stuff. The the, the people who are going after Tate merely as a rapist or something, which I I don't know if that charge is true or not, but the people going after him in that way they're falling into the same error that Andrew Tate is falling into, which is they think that life is all about stuff. They've fallen into a materialist error where they think that what will make them happy is having a lot of money and having a lot of fancy cars and having a lot of expensive clothing when it won't. That is ultimately unsatisfying because those things are ephemeral. Those things are just made of matter and matter is going to decay. And the things that really matter to us ultimately are things that are going to survive this, this little world. Toys and trinkets and money and jewelry ultimately is not going to be satisfying. What is going to be satisfying and lead to human flourishing is going to be virtue, the practice of virtue in this life and salvation in to, that we will get the hint of in this life and, and see the fruits of in the life to come. And that's what's going to make you happy. We used to understand that for most of our civilization when we were rising and thriving and smart and strong. And now we're depraved and decadent and we don't know how to talk to one another anymore. And we don't know which end is up and we've got coke all over the White House. And <laughs> and even people on the right sometimes fall for this stuff. Not smart. You do not want to fall for it. Now, speaking of weird sex stuff, a former Google exec has a vision of how love will soon be redesigned. And the way love will be redesigned is not in in... a a reconfiguring of how the sexes relate to one another. And it's not even in a reconfiguring of how we're going to meet one another on dating apps, how we're going to to date and get married. The way that love is going to be redesigned is when we're all just doing weird stuff with sex robots. Sooner, apparently, than we think. Now, when you want to hire people to do jobs that other people don't want to do, you should go check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com noles If you are hiring, you're probably dealing with economic uncertainty. By definition, now more than ever, it is important to hire the right people faster and more efficiently to keep overall costs down. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter is a hiring partner that is focused on you and your needs. From pricing to technology, everything that ZipRecruiter does is for you and what works best for you. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com noles ZipRecruiter's smart technology identifies the best matches for your job and lets you invite candidates that you really want to apply to your job before other businesses can snag them. I absolutely love how straightforward their pricing is. You know what you pay for before posting your job, so you can stick to your budget with no surprises. Hire the best with the help of a partner that is all about you with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I want to talk to you about something that I don't, I don't usually talk about. And that, of course, would be hair. Not my hair. Not this coif that you look at every day. This shimmering, shiny, fluffy coif brought about by Jeremy's Razor Shampoo and Conditioner. No, I want to talk about your hair. Because if you are not also using Jeremy's restorative tea tree and argan oil blend to wash your mane, you're doing it wrong. You're asking to be canceled. Jeremy's Razors is more than a razor company. It's a men's grooming brand that does not hate men. Imagine that. Their shampoo and conditioner, along with their exfoliating charcoal body wash, are all made from high-quality natural ingredients right here in the USA. They're sulfate-free. And even though I still don't know what a paraben is, nobody does. They're free of all those too. Most important of all, Jeremy's Razors hair and body bundles are woke free, 100%. Stop giving your money to woke companies that hate your guts. Head on over to jeremysrazors.com instead and check out their shampoo, conditioner, and body wash bundles today. Former chief business officer for Google X, Mo Gaudat, has just explained that we're all about to be... Doing really weird
1: stuff with sex robots. Just think about all of the illusions that we're now unable to decipher. But if we can convince you that this sex robot robot is alive, or that sex experience in a in a in a virtual reality headset or an augmented reality headset is alive, is real, then there you go. Go, go a few a, a few years further and think of Neuralink and other ways of connecting directly to your uh, uh, nervous system. And why would you need another being in the first place? And once again, there is that huge debate of are they sentient or not? Does it really matter if they're simulating sentiism so well? Okay, does it really matter if the Morgan Freeman talking to you on the screen is actually Morgan Freeman or uh, an AI-generated uh, uh, avatar? If you're if you're convinced that it is Morgan Freeman. We get lost in those conversations of, you know, are they alive? Are they sentient? It doesn't matter if, if my brain believes they are, they are. Let's just say this is a very significant redesign of society. It's a very significant redesign of love and relationships. And because there is money in it, hmm, what would, what would prevent the next dating app from giving you avatars to date? A lot of people who will try it. There are more than two, two, 2 million people on Replica.
0: Does it really matter?
1: Yes. Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs>
0: it does. It does really matter. He's raising these questions, as they should be raised. He says, look, this is going to happen very quickly. We're developing this technology quickly. He says there are 2 million people on Replica, which I assume is some weird, modern robot sex technology thing. I'm just guessing. I don't, I don't know. If any of my producers are sufficiently degenerate, please let me know in my ears if that's what it is. Uh, but he's talking about all this technology. He's saying, yeah, it's, gonna, it's going to advance to the point that dating apps, because there's money in it, they're going to give you avatars to date. And if the person seems real, who cares whether or not he or she is real? To which I would say, uh, I care and you care, and and we all care. Because this is not a new debate. This is a very old debate. This is a debate perhaps most famously or infamously expressed in the question that Pontius Pilate poses to Christ during the Passion, which is, what is truth? Christ says, I am truth. And Pontius Pilate, a cynic, shrugs his shoulders and says, what is truth? And now we're being presented with that choice increasingly today. Does it matter If you're living in lies and deceit and illusions, so long as the lies and deceit and illusions are sufficiently convincing and persuasive, does it matter that they're not actually true? The answer is yes. It does matter because there is such a thing as reality. We actually have reason. We actually have moral conscience. We actually have a soul that will outlive our mortal coil. We actually will face a final judgment, and we actually have the prospect of life everlasting. Now, I know that there are going to be some secularists and materialists and libs in the audience. Believe it or not, we actually have libs who listen to this show. I appreciate them very much, who are going to say, no, we don't really have any of that. The soul is made up, and there's no such thing as heaven or eternal life. And so it doesn't matter. As long as I can just kind of feel good for the whole time that I'm on Earth, then when someday I die, I'm just going to go take a dirt nap and turn to worm food. And that's, it's not going to matter whether I believed true things. All that's going to matter is whether I felt pleasure during my life. And so for those people, it, it won't matter to them if they're dating a real human being or if they're dating a robot or an avatar or a sex doll or anything else because it's all just about them. But if you have any even remotely sophisticated view of the world and you recognize that, that uh, unlike five-year-olds and, and in their view of the world, if you have... Matured beyond that, and you realize that life is actually not just all about you, and it's about other people, and it's about things outside of you. And the very fact that we're using language right now to communicate means that there's an objective reality to which we're pointing. You're going to say, No, I don't want to marry a robot. I don't want to marry some stupid avatar. I don't want to do weird stuff with that thing that the Google guy is suggesting that I do. I'm not going to plug myself into the matrix. I don't want any of that. I want reality. Even if reality is moment to moment less pleasurable, I still would prefer it. The the part that the conservatives don't want to grapple with, the part that the people who agree with everything I just said don't want to grapple with is sex robots are going to be really tempting. They're going to be really, do not underestimate how hot the sex robots are going to be. They're going to be super duper hot and they're going to be designed by geniuses. They're probably going to be designed by robots themselves to appeal to every base desire that you have in a way that you cannot even imagine right now. And it's going to be very hard to resist them. In a similar way that it is difficult to resist porn. There are many conservatives in the country. There are many Christians and people who have a relatively traditional, insane view of religion in the country. And yet, porn use is through the roof. The, the median age of exposure to porn is something like 11 years old. And what, north of 70% of the population regularly consumes porn? Of men, I think the number is like 90%. Well, a huge portion of those men and the population generally are going to be conservatives and Christians and people who, in their intellect, don't think that porn is good, but who nevertheless look at it because it's so tempting. And if you think some glittering images on a computer screen are tempting... Imagine when there is just a robot that is designed (laughs) to appeal to all of your sensations and your whole body. We have to think about these things now. We have to take this Google guy seriously now. Had the American people, had people in the West, taken porn seriously while it was being developed, we would not be in quite the sexual mess that we're in right now, which you can see expressed throughout all sorts of pathologies and ideologies that have pervaded our society and are driving us all crazy. And, and to be fair to the American people, we actually did try to take it seriously. We passed two laws about it with Republican and Democrat support, passed by a Republican Congress signed into law by Bill Clinton, the Child Online Protection Act and the Communications Decency Act, both of which were broadly struck down by liberals on the courts. So we did try, we failed, and now we've got this crazy sex stuff all over society. We've got to start planning now. Everyone thinks that we've got we've to plan to stop Terminator robots from going around and shooting all of us. No, we got to stop the honeypot robots from coming into our boudoir and giving us massages and distracting us from normal life. That's, that poses a far greater risk of destroying the human race and the future generations than Terminator robot, which could be dangerous too. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. Speaking of weird sex stuff, Will Thomas, who is that swimmer from UPenn who calls himself Leah and beat all the girls, Will Thomas now has has embraced his final form, the final degree of liberal de- degradation. It's not just the physical mutilation of his body. He's now wearing a shirt that says Antifa Super Soldier Antifa, of course, is the organization that tried to blow me up, tried to murder me in Pittsburgh like two months ago, and that has tried to injure, maim, and kill a number of other conservatives as well. Antifa, two members of which have just been indicted, arrested by the FBI, indicted by the DOJ for trying to blow me up with an explosive, an explosive that ended up hitting a bunch of cops and injuring them. Antifa, this guy... He's just wearing a shirt saying, yeah, I'm an Antifa super soldier. Love Antifa. What's the conclusion? That this guy's a little bit confused? I think we've known that. That this guy's a little bit lib? I think we've known that for a while, too. The conclusion to me is, fiscally conservative, socially liberal, was always doomed to failure. Forget about this guy. We've seen this guy going down a bad path for a long time. I'm more concerned with the normal people with the center left, or the center right, or the kind of nice go along to get along people. Especially on the center right, who for years have said, look, I'm a conservative, but I'm not that kind of conservative. I'm, I'm fiscally conservative, fiscally responsible. But I'm socially a little open-minded, you know, live and let live, right? Fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Left to its own premises and to the logical conclusions of its own ideas will just become liberal. It'll The people who embrace that idea will just become big libs because socially liberal is just a synonym for politically liberal. Politics just refers to society. It refers to the polis. It's how we all live together. And so if you say, well, economically, I'm a conservative, but socially, I'm a liberal, then that means that for all political purposes, you're a liberal. Because man is not fundamentally an economic creature like Marx said that we are. Man is fundamentally a social creature. Our politics is ultimately social. And so if you're socially liberal, you're just going to end up like that guy. You're not even going to end up like Hillary Clinton. You're not even going to end up like Joe Biden. You're going to end up like that guy. Because the premises of social liberalism, do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. Just just don't harsh my mellow, man. You know, don't yuck my yum. The, the conclusions of that are I can chop myself up. I can call myself whatever I want to call myself. I can indulge all manner of absurdity. I can totally pervert and warp my perception of the world and of human nature. And by the time I've allowed my mind to become so poisoned with that absurdity and incoherence, I'm going to start doing some crazy things, and I'm going to stop being so reasonable and rational and letting everybody just kumbaya and live and let live. I'm going to start forcing my absurd view on everyone else because I've given up reason. I've given up intellect, so all I'm left with is will, and I will achieve my political ends through sheer tyranny of will. That is the logical conclusion of the liberal worldview. The logical conclusion is that you, like Will Thomas, will become an Antifa super soldier. As the political order breaks down, you want some stability, especially for your assets. When you want that stability, when you want something real and hard and tangible, you're probably going to want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. dollar as the cornerstone of the global financial system. You can protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which would be right now. When currencies fail, gold is that safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Text Knowles, W L S to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it will be nice to have some gold to depend on. Text Knowles, W L S to 989898. My favorite comment yesterday is from Johnny Verman. 6305, who says, Michael getting muted when he mentions certain facts is infuriating, shaking my head. I totally agree with you, Ben. When, especially when you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see certain words get bleeped out. You're going to see segments of the show bleeped out. you probably noticed that the show has gotten shorter if you watch on YouTube. The show hasn't gotten shorter. I don't actually censor myself. But if you want to watch the full show, you got to do it at Daily Wire Plus. We are now putting the full show up for free at Daily Wire Plus, but with ads. Now, if you want to watch the full show without ads, with the member segment, with all the extra bonus stuff that we don't get to elsewhere, then you join Daily Wire Plus. If you want the full show uncensored, if you want to just listen to it, you go to the RSS feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else. And if you want to watch the whole show, you can also go to Twitter, at M. Knowles Show. But as long as you're here on YouTube, we acknowledge, we're forced to acknowledge, at Google's and YouTube's rules for what we can say. And so sometimes there are certain true things that you're just not allowed to say. You got to go elsewhere to find it. Now, speaking of big libs, the head of the NEA, National Education Admi- Association, one of these big teacher unions, this woman's name is Rebecca Pringle. She's a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh. That is the school, of course, that tried to shut me down and at which the Libs tried to murder me uh, somewhat recently. Gives you a little uh, hint of her intellectual formation and academic background. The NEA president has this to say about the future of American education.
1: I can hear Chief Seattle crying out to us, urging us to remember when you know who you are, when your mission
0: is clear, and you burn with the inner fire of an unbreakable will, no cold
1: can touch your heart. No deludes can dampen your purpose. And yea, you are those stars in the darkness. Your light will not be dimmed.
0: Your purpose will drive you in a righteous fight for freedom because you know who
1: you are.
0: Now, I know that we have a number of viewers and listeners to this show in Central Europe, so I'll I'll translate that speech. I don't usually make that sort of a comparison, but if you were only listening to it, you just, you can't fully appreciate how, this woman in some ways looks a little different uh, from a certain Austrian painter and 20th century political leader. Uh, but in other ways, she's got the short, cropped hair. She's got the hands and the passion. She even talks about the will, the will will win out our wills. That, are you suggesting a phrase such as perhaps the triumph of the will, lady? Or are you? It just seems a little over the top. And this woman is a major leader of education in America. Perhaps the best advertisement for homeschooling I have ever seen as this woman falls into an occult ecstasy. Also, yeah, also kind of weird occult ideas. That the parallels between a certain historical phenomenon that I, I don't usually compare things to and these modern libs, especially in education, quite striking. And, and so you look at that and you say, goodness gracious, this woman is, has no control over herself. That's the point of education, is to control yourself, is to be brought up, learn how to behave, learn how to discipline those those lower passions, and to bring them into accord with the rational will. And, and also to know things. To, this is, gets back to what we were talking to at the top of the show, that yes, we have deceit and corruption and vice and all this nasty stuff in our political order. But one of the lesser discussed consequences of that is just sheer incompetence. And you see this expressed in our educational apparatus. The, the teachers and the administrators, especially, broadly speaking, cannot teach things. They can't teach math. They can't teach reading. They can't teach basic life skills. They go off in these flights of fancy about whatever struggles... <laughs> this lady has dealt with in her life, but, but they, can't, they can't actually do the basic elements of the job. And you're seeing this everywhere. Goodness gracious, there was a, a, a really pathetic story out of New York. New York City is paying $2 billion to black people. New York City specifically is paying $2 billion to black people who performed poorly on an old teaching exam. Hispanic people too. They wanted to become teachers and they took this exam and they failed and they sued and they said, this exam is racist. And so they didn't, they didn't become teachers, a lot of them. New York City is going to pay $2 billion to them. Some people who never worked as a teacher will get more than $1 million each. They could even get pensions as a result of this, which will inflate the cost beyond the $1.8 billion that the Post is reporting. 64-year-old Herman Grimm will be paid $2,055,383 after failing this test a lot, because supposedly the test was racist. This guy, Herman Grimm, was asked, how is the test racist? He couldn't say. He has no examples. He failed the test a lot. He's probably not good at coming up with answers here, but he is pretty good at making two million bucks. And you want to know the cherry on top of this story? They remade the test. It's no longer racist. The test now totally woke, liberal, politically correct, progressive, racism free. The scores didn't improve. The, the, Black people performed poorly on that exam, too. Why is that? I don't know why. You'll hear some people say, oh, it's because black people are terrible. You might hear some people say, well, it's because they, the, the people who took this test, they didn't have a good educational background. And they might say, well, they didn't have a good social background, and so they just didn't have the ability to prepare for this test in the same way that other people did. I don't know. I don't know why the, the black and Hispanic test takers didn't do as well on the old test and the new test. I don't know. It's not my particular subject area of interest. I leave it to other people to to figure it out. Here's the one thing I do know. It, It wasn't because the old test was racist. We've now proven that because of the new test. And yet $2 billion from New York City taxpayers still going to these people, which is a reminder that We talk a lot about reparations. This is the new radical liberal proposal is to resurrect the idea of reparations for slavery centuries after the fact. But we have reparations. This is a type of reparations. This is an expression of how in the United States, if you can claim that something is racist, you can get whatever you want. This is why this kind of language is bandied about. This is why it's the worst thing that you can possibly be called in modern America is to be called a racist. It's why people throw it around totally baselessly. I remember uh, David Webb, the black conservative commentator, he was hosting a radio show. This was some years ago now. And a woman called in, they were debating an issue. He was winning the debate. And she said, well, you only think that because of your white privilege. It was a radio interview. It was a phone or so. She didn't, she didn't know. And, and David Webb, he says, you know, I'm pretty sure it's not, and I don't think he would say that if we were on TV right now. And he totally got her, but she didn't care. She just just wanted some excuse, just like these people. And I guess good on them, these people who just got paid $2 billion over nothing. I guess good on them because they gamed the system, but that kind of a system is not going to be able to persist forever, in part because it encourages selfishness and pride and greed and vice and corruption among the people, but also in part because... We can't do the basic stuff that a society is supposed to do because we're lowering standards needlessly because we can't teach, we can't adjudicate teachers, we can't run the government, we can't conduct investigations, we can't get the economy to work, we can't conduct foreign policy, we just can't do stuff. We can't reason about these things. I keep going back to this Andrew Tate example the fact that our moral discourse on the right and the left has, has boiled down to this significant, but ultimately relatively small question of, hey, do people consent? Did those girls consent to be pimped out by Andrew Tate? Well, then it's, it's totally fine. Hey, did, do people consent to all sorts of weird sex stuff in America, including children? Oh, then it's totally fine. Isn't there something a little bit deeper. We used to have moral discourse. We used to have the ability to reason about these things. As that ebbs away, so ebbs away our civilization. We'll cease to be civilized. We'll become barbarous materialists howling into the wind. The rest of the show continues now. Today, of course, is Trans Tuesday. It is Trans Tuesday. We can't talk about it on YouTube, You gotta go to the member block. Head on over now to dailywire.com. Use code Knolls for two months free on all annual plans.